Man, don't you just hate it when you just like to sleep late, be with other girls, not go to church, and people just keep accusing you of being a vampire? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> that really sucks. Um, yeah, I, I have that because I'm, I work overnights. <laughs> so I do. People always make the vampire joke. Um, really? Like, like what? Like, they're like, ah, he has risen. Or wait, no, that's Jesus. Never mind. Well, yeah, he's risen from his coffin. You know, he's risen from the dead. No, yeah, Jesus was a vampire. Didn't you ever see um, Dracula 2000? No. Ju- uh, well, spoilers for Dracula 2000. It's really cool. It's a Wes Craven flick. So if you want to hear about a cool take on, on if you if you really want that surprise, I'm giving you plenty of time to hit that 30 seconds ahead button a couple times. But the end of Dracula 2000, it is revealed that Judas is Dracula because he can't go into the sun because he hung himself when the sun was rising silver. Cause he sold Jesus for silver crosses because Jesus, it's a pretty interesting take. That's got a very saw esque reveal where it just, the reveal felt really good. Wes Craven did a very good Dracula reveal in that movie, but I don't know if the movie it's, but I only saw it in theaters. So that's actually amazing, and honestly, it doesn't take anything away from me, who who loves spoilers. Um, but but yeah, you know, hey, these extended life forms—they're just trying to live their life. Yeah. Wait, so I didn't get to ask you. I don't know if you want to if you want to cut this part out and just go right into the intro. But uh, Mary, fuck, kill. Who would you who would you pick? Okay, you're gonna have to repeat the choices. Okay. Uh well do you want do you want man vampire choices or do you wanna go with vampire lovers choices? Let's let's be chaotically bisexual. Give me whichever. Okay, how about Mary Fuck Kill? Marcilla as Marcilla. Um uh how about your boy, your boy um, from What We Do in the Shadows? I don't know, the main Jermaine guy from the movie. Or... Uh, Taika Waititi? Is, I thought Jermaine Clement was in the movie. Oh, yeah, he was, he was. Okay, yeah, yeah. Flight or, of the Concords guy. Right. Or I'm trying to think of like a, a gross, disfigured vampire that matches Nosferatu, but isn't Nosferatu. How about Willem Dafoe in Shadow of a Vampire who plays Nosferatu, maybe? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that movie. I mean, I don't know. I kind of have a weird Willem Dafoe thing, so definitely fucking him. Um, And I would have to, between the two, we've got uh, Marcilla slash Carmilla, and the other who was the other one you're what we do in the shadows guy oh yeah no i'm gonna kill jermaine clement yeah and i'm gonna marry carmilla because she just seems cool to hang out with i also like to sleep late and not go to church so yeah that works for me yeah i i i i once again we agree on 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 fmk for vampires we both would fuck the weird Nosferatu one. All right. Well, <laughs> let's kill this podcast then. 
I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. This is Necromancer. Necromancer. My name is Shira, and that was a very poor attempt at a Bella Lugosi Dracula accent. But when I'm not doing that, I like to watch romantic comedies. And my name is Brett, and that was a very poor attempt at a Shira's attempt at a Bella Lugosi vampire. And when I'm not doing that, I watch spooky horror movies. Ooh, well, that's awesome because every week here at Necromancer, Brett picks a horror movie, I pick a rom-com, and then we remix those movies, turning the rom-com into a horror and the horror into a rom-com. This week, we continue the theme of vampires. Yeah, it was a good theme, and... Last week, we learned that you already had this one locked and loaded, like a vampire with a silver bullet with a with your arch nemesis's name on it. But I I had so many to choose from, and I put off picking one until the very last. Oh, yeah, there were a lot of choices for you. You you really you really had the field ahead of you. I was surprised you picked this one. But you know what? I was prepared because in October, I listened to a full cast production of, it was a reading of Carmilla. So I, I have read the, or listened to, if you're a stickler, I have listened to the original story and, and can provide Dr. King-style feedback. Very I mean, nice. I, I'm not going to be as eloquent as Heather, but I, I can offer some thoughts just from having uh, listened to the book. The only thing I know her from is Castlevania anime. And so that was my only exposure to her. Yeah, they really didn't. Uh, hold on one second. He's being weird. I'll be right back. What? He's being a puppy. I don't know why he's he's usually not barking like this, though. Hold on. He's excited. You want to know what the problem was? His ball fell under the couch and he couldn't get it. So... It was a legitimate emergency. Yeah, that's like a DEFCON 4. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was definitely DEFCON 4 in here. Um, but yeah, I, I I have the source material that Hammer had. But <laughs> yeah, what drew you to this one? Well, I think when it comes to vampires, Hammer's got a lot of vampire movies. And so, I mean, if people don't know, if we've got a lot of rom-commies listening to this one, um, and they don't know what Hammer is. Hammer is kind of like the Marvel Universe for scary horror stuff. Um, they made over Hammer. Hammer made over a hundred, uh, according to their wiki. Hammer made over a hundred and fifty, or a hundred. They made over a hundred and fifty movies, and about fifty of them were horror based. And they have a very distinct style. All the Hammer movies feel like that same kind of shakespearean stage play very cinematically produced um kind of vibes to it and they don't have like a common connecting overall 
Infinity Saga lore, but they do have this, like, they use a lot of the same actors, and, you know, some of these vampires have the same lore, so, like, a shady character might show up in a few instances. Kind of like the man with no name doesn't play the exact same character in his three movies, but he is the same character, so it's just like, fuck it, you guys get it? It's like... We're giving you a whole world to play in. Again, it's that sandbox kind of thing. And this is like one specific story of one specific vampire who isn't a main heavy hitter vampire. She's kind of an underling-ish vampire in this movie, but the movie treats her story with the weight of her being like the central tortured protagonist of this movie i think you're giving this movie a lot of credit i mean i i feel like this movie is also a titillating male gazy depiction of lesbianism i mean i i will say like i i did do some little research and um shout out there's an instagram account called um uh, queer cinema that did a 31 days of horror, queer horror countdown. And this was one of the movies. And one of the things that they mentioned is that while like, this is very much like a straight guy's depiction of, you know, a a predatory lesbian that this movie has also been reclaimed and has like a big cult following. Yeah. Uh, I, if you go onto IMDb and want to read some of that trivia, yeah, they they had a closed set for the nudity scenes, which the director was like, "It's up to you guys." I like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, the main lady, what's her name, Ingrid Pitt, who plays Marcella Carmilla, she she speaks like she's an exhibitionist and she was proud of her young body and wanted it to be captured on she film. She should be. She <laughs> looked great. I'm not and, even being sarcastic. She looked yeah. awesome. And so she also says that her and the director and stuff were like talking about the movie, not in a gay sense of like, they didn't film these scenes specifically with the sexual aspect in mind. They filmed it more of like an asexual kind of thing where I I don't. Maybe that's what they said, but like the source material is, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not spelled out, but the the erotic tension between Carmilla and her female victims is very much there. And right. like this this romantic love between women, hashtag they were roommates. It's a common like funny yeah. thing from the I- obituaries that's like oh, these two women, they were roommates for such a long time. They just were really good friends. Um, but like, it's it's obvious that they were a, a couple. But um, I think even in the seven, well, still in the 80s, it wasn't like a comfortable environment in order to come out because just homosexuality was seen as being predatory. So they had to make a lot of arguments for the inclusion of the lesbian scenes in the movie. Like I think censorship censorship at this point was loose enough that they could argue like, Hey, it's in the source material. That's what they did. (laughs) Cut it out of the movie. And then we'll just explain it away as her being 
ace or asexual or or bisexual. So I think uh, them approaching the scenes that way to me makes sense. But there also there is an undeniable as well. Okay, so first of all. Yes, you're absolutely right. If you did not read the IMDb trivia page, then you hit the nail on the head, which is to say that the the producers of this movie were very scared to show any kind of lesbianism in the movie, and the director and, and writers were able to say, well, it's in the book. So, mm, and that's what ultimately persuaded them. Um, but also... I think from a cinema from a cinema is literature like a literary cinematic aspect I'm willing to give this movie the 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 transporting me to a fantasy world type setting where I buckled into this movie I turned off all the lights I got rid of all the distractions I wanted to like this movie and I think it is a really good serious movie however you also can't get away from the male gaze grind housey there's boobies in this movie but i don't think the movie's meant to sell you on the fact that like gay people are bad they are predatory this and that like i think universal movies and hammer movies like this do have this tinge of like man, it sucks to be a monster. Like, I think she's a tragic character in this movie. And I, so I don't think, like, the male characters are meant to be, like, you know what I mean? It's silly and ineffective and they don't even know what's going on. I, I mean, I would say that I disagree with this movie being serious. I think this is Vampire Showgirls. I think that it's, it's campy. It, I mean, maybe they didn't intend for it to come off as campy as it does, but you know what it actually reminds me of? Um, it reminds me of The Love Witch. It make, it reminds me yeah. of an Anna Biller movie. It definitely... Uh, I did not like The Love Witch. I loved it. I, I mean, but, well, I like Anna Biller. But yeah, when I was watching this movie, I was like, yes, this is... Love Witch is another prime example of a movie that did exactly what it set out to do and did it very well because this movie would make a fantastic Alamo Drafthouse AFS double pairing. Love Witch, uh, The Vampire Lovers, followed by The Love Witch. Oh, they look that, great next to That would be other. a sold out crowd. <laughs> yeah. I'd be there. I, I think it'd be great. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think that that tracks and I, I mean, like the visual style of this movie is just really fun. Like I, I really feel like, like after the nineties, when it just became that much cooler to be cynical and ironic and unsentimental or whatever that is that we lost a lot of the like fun and charm and goofiness of, I don't know, more sentimental times and. I don't know. That's yeah. one of the things I like about watching older movies is they feel like like big emotions feel more. Um, I don't know. It, melodrama is just something that we're we're more into. Yeah, and again, this is a fantasy world where it's meant to be kind of like an unreliable narrator, where there's there's this weird mysticism of a vampire that comes in, and again, everyone knows she's a vampire, but. They, 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 in this mystic, seduced haze, they let it slide because they want to know the, the truth. 
the truth of what a vampire really is and what they're out for. And is it their blood or is it their body or is it like them as a person? Like, do they want to turn them? It's all like, you can't turn away from that, that HP Lovecraft kind of the truth is ultimately the, the quest for the truth is what's going to be your downfall aspect. And the movie is very well made. It looks great. And the, 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 camera and the editing all of this stuff looks fantastic this is an extremely cine uh cinematic movie and so as a film lover i leaned more into the cinematic aspect than the grindhousey aspect of the lewd nature i felt really bad i didn't know i i honestly felt weird watching this movie because i was like this is essentially a softcore porn uh i mean that made me feel less weird about the movie but um i i would i don't know i i guess similar to vamps like i didn't see the cinematic part i i saw the the lurid grindhousey culty uh, campy element but again showgirls i like that stuff i do right um, but like as a, as a cinematic piece of art, like I, I like, I like the opening with the shrouds, the shrouds yeah. and the fog was a lot of fun and her disappearing cool. back into the castle. But vamps is such a blandly ugly cinematic movie. So from going like watching these movies back to back, I think it was like, you know what I mean? When you eat some weird food, so then you're like, I got to wash it down with something that I know I love. Uh, I think that's a little bit like that because this is definitely sort of giallo adjacent, which that's a good point. I do. Yeah. I do feel like that that is an accurate call. Oh, one thing I'll say before we dive into the synopsis is that something people might not realize is that the story of Carmilla actually predates Dracula. So as far as literary vampires are concerned, Carmilla came first. Whoa. Interesting. But yeah, she is part of a long tradition of lesbian vampires and, you know, this metaphor of a woman, I don't know, women who love women and, and why well, they're also, bad. I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I picked the movie, I did sort of specifically set out because vampires are a huge aspect of of a lot of vampire lore is the sexiness. So I wanted to include that in my movie. I didn't want to pick like a Nosferatu movie. I wanted to include that sexiness. The truth is what's going to be the end of you kind of thing. The the big seductive moment kind of thing. And, and we are very gay friendly, bi friendly on this show. And, but if I'm going to pick a gay vampire movie, I as a as a cis white male, I'm going to go for the lesbian vampire movie over the the male gay vampire movie. So I'm not going to lie. Like part of this movie was like mm, girls kissing. So you didn't you didn't like you didn't like interview with a vampire? No, that was good too. But I for my vampire episode, I wanted to have sexy vampire ladies and it's taboo like i relate to the sense of tabooness that's what i cling to is that sense of like 
we shouldn't be doing this. It doesn't matter if you're a guy, girl, whatever. It's just the sense of we shouldn't be doing this is always sexy. I think that tracks. No, I, I agree with you there. Uh, so should we get into the plot? Yeah, let's go for it. So courtesy of Wikipedia, we find out that Baron Joachim von Hartog, Baron Hartog, he has vowed to destroy this vampire that killed his sister. Uh, And he is able to, we see him take out this beautiful blonde vampire who rises from the grave. And it seems like he's not going to be able to take her because she's just so sexy. But when she goes in for the big bite, he decapitates her open. Well, credits. her, her, her chest, her, exposed oh, yeah, her chest, chest hits his cross, hits her his boobies hit the cross hanging around his neck. It's a good thing. He had that very well placed necklace. Yeah, that that saved his life. But I I like that, again, I feel like older movies just do it better when it comes to opening credits to have a scene like this, chop off her head, and then boom, credits was just Oh, fuck yeah. It reminded me of The Conjuring, because in The Conjuring, they got that Annabelle opening sequence, and then Mm -hmm. boom, they cut to black, they got that that orchestral, eerie, classical, creepy music, and then the font that distinct like it's there's no one distinct horror font but you just you know it when you see it is like oh this is a horror movie font it just you're right it's a mic drop it's a curtain drop it's a like buckle up for this movie and i like how he he decapitates her with relative ease in terms of like yes he was outclassed and it did come down to a moment of luck for him to kill the vampire. But the very first thing we have is someone decapitating a vampire with, again, relative ease, which I think amps up the horror for later. I was rooting for Carmilla to not be decapitated. But when you get this sense at the end of the movie that we devoted a good 10 minutes to this guy thoroughly going through the best way to kill a vampire. Um, I think that this is a very slow burn setup to an hour and a half movie. Both these movies were hour and a half. You know how much we love that. Um, 90 minutes, so, the perfect movie length. A, a 10 minute opening setup to this kind of scene is a very good use of this movie's time. It, it works because, you know, it's going to right now it's open, but we're going to tie the ribbon on on this opening scene pretty effectively. But there's a time gap. Several years later, General Spielsdorf is throwing a birthday party for his niece, Laura. Now, this is something that they did that was a a departure from the book that I thought was very confusing, which is that in the book, it's Laura who's kind of Carmilla's final victim rather than Emma. And Laura's friend is the one who dies in the beginning of the story. Uh, and she receives a letter about how her friend is, has passed away and, and the, the general is going to go find the killer. Um, Honestly, but they, that kind they of reversed seems, it. 
that kind of seems like you know when when a when a, a comic book writer will come in and take over a character for a one-off and like what if we changed who what if what if captain america fell from the train and bucky survived like let's change things up and i i don't know if they maximized how like if there's any sort of literary impact or significance that that changes from the book to the movie but it feels like hammer was like well we got to put our own stamp on it somewhere where if we just switch the two girls yeah i i mean i can see it definitely being something like that so it's laura's birthday party um everybody's dancing around they're wearing um uh empire wasted dresses very pride and prejudice or um uh like that movie we watched Northanger Abbey yeah Northanger Abbey yeah no we were back we were back in Bath in the marriage mart Um, oh and the guy the the colonel the 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 general is Peter Cushing who's Grand Moff Tarkin and in Northanger Abbey we've got Jin Erso from uh from that other movie rogue one i like the star wars connections yeah uh and so every everybody's there laura's there emma her friend is there laura's boyfriend carl is there he's you know you were talking about earlier how the men in this movie do nothing he does the most of nothing just kind of riding around and observing everything but never like being like ah i think that that's the same girl Right. Uh, he, he doesn't really try that hard to help. Uh, and then there's this mysterious countess who has moved into a nearby castle. And the countess's daughter, Marcilla. And then suddenly the countess is called away due to the death of a friend. And Marcilla is invited to stay with the Spieldorfs. Uh, and immediately, even though Laura's kind of ambivalent about Marcilla, Marcilla zones in on her. Like when Laura and Carl are dancing and Laura's like, she's looking at you. And Carl's like, uh, no, she's looking at you. Yeah. Uh, and some good, some good romance stuff with like a Jane Austen type scene where she's like, mm-hmm. I love you so much because you are not even looking at her. And it like it was a cutesy little we're dancing prim and proper scene, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh, Marcilla kind of does the very soft tease on Laura, which sends her just enough to have confusing dreams about Marcilla, and she wants to dream about what's his name, Clark, but Carl, she, Carl, she wants to dream about Carl. She's trying to dream about Carl but she can only truly dream about Marcilla and it's confusing for her and she doesn't know what to do. And so, yeah, this movie is very sexual. And I know that I said that they, they filmed those seduction scenes asexually, or that was their intent, but it also is very, very clear that the, the text of this movie is sexual. The text and subtext of the movie is sexual. So. But yeah, if you if you are Team Carmilla, though, then you have to believe what you're saying here, that Carmilla's really an anti-hero, and in the beginning of the movie, her best gal pal, her Stacy, gets murdered. And now she's kind of wandering around trying to find, like, who's going to be my new girlfriend? 
Yeah. And again, there is that sense of like, she's being propelled by that shadowy figure. So, and the countess, she's not the main player here. She's the main player of the story, but not the overall vampiric lore narrative. She is just as cursed as the humans that she is the the humans she is is put upon the humans and they are cursed with her presence but she is also cursed with theirs because she has to make these decisions of who am i going to turn and how am i going to turn them without drawing the entire village on me and having them pursue like she's got a she's like solid snake she's got, it's a sneaking mission <laughs> she's got to go in stealth I do feel like Ingrid Pitt does a good job of projecting a kind of world weariness to her yeah. performance. She like speaks she, German. She's tired. She's tired of it all. And, you know, the story, it's very ambiguous how Carmilla came to be because she refuses to tell Laura anything. But one of the things that she implies is that she was turned against her will or that you know, it was somebody else that turned her and, and made her this way um, and that it was a betrayal. But again, it's all it's all very mysterious and vague, but um, she is treated with a lot of suspicion um, by everyone around her, but they just can't help themselves. She's so beautiful. Um, so Laura gets weaker and weaker. She keeps having nightmares of a large cat strangling her, which, you know, is, yeah, that is very much a part of the original story, is that unlike a vampire bat, um, Carmilla's monster form or vampire feeding form is that of a big black cat. Yeah, the leopard man. Yeah, she is the leopard man. And then Laura dies and the doctors find that there are two puncture wounds on her breast. Uh, and then Marcilla has disappeared. And again, this is the classical fantasy nature of the movie where when Marcilla disappears, she disappears at Laura's bedside. In plain sight, she disappears. And it's very clear there's a vampire. But later we get a scene in a tavern where it's like, you don't joke about vampires like this shit is real and people I are liked that part. fucking <laughs> dropping like flies out there and we don't like the townspeople don't understand it because how could you succumb to a vampire like that but in the secluded nature of castles and servants and you know they're in the forests and they're they're you know what i mean like in this era where it takes a few days for letters to be passed back and forth and information to be spread there is a like again i was just transported into the world i i fully had to put myself in there because it just makes it so awesome when we get the reveal of carmilla <laughs> and how it's like a con artist ruse that they're pulling so that it's almost like the Countess is trying to, again, very Helsing anime-esque, where like you have layers upon layers of these hierarchies of vampires. And if, if the Shadow Man has the Countess as his vampire, he needs the Countess to be super strong. And in order for her to be super strong, she has to have her underlings be super strong. And Camilla is just one of those underlings. So like... I, again, I got really into the lore in the the that aspect. 
Are you She's a tragic character. Are you suggesting that Carmilla is a part of a vampire pyramid scheme? Yes, like this movie feels again like the Marvel universe marketing. The Hammer universe. I could see like they prop there's 50 other Hammer horror movies out there. I'm sure many of them deal with vampires. You probably have like the Shadow this is the Man first of a perspective. Trilogy. Yeah, so I I'm really into it. I think I think I might have to try to get into a few more of these Hammer, do like a top 10 cut through some of these movies. Because I like them. I'm not into Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. This is my fantasy stuff. Castlevania-esque Hammer films. I dig it. I dig it. So, you know, like you're saying, the Countess and Carmilla operate like little carn artists because they're not vampire vegetarians they have to schmooze and elbow their way into more dinners. Uh, and to do that, they stage, it, it seems like they stage this cat, this coach accident where once again, the countess needs to go somewhere and it's, oh, will you please let Carmilla stay with you? And then Carmilla immediately zones in on Emma, the daughter uh and they just you know they're so nice they invite her to be a guest uh and then once again carmilla works emma but i think we're meant to feel that it's different this time that carmilla is genuinely into emma yes this love is gonna be i think that again in vampire lore i don't think carmilla has the like i think when it comes to her choosing her vampire sister underlings that she like I, I don't know it it seems like she wants an underling and she she's really smitten by emma but i i think one of your criticisms is probably going to be that why emma and my answer to you i wanted is to punch her because. in the face yeah Emma's my answer so to you is annoying. just because I, I really do wish that this aspect of the movie was fleshed out more. But yeah, it's why Emma? Because she's running out of time. She needs a new bestie, like you said. She needs, she probably needs to, like a pyramid scheme. Like you said, she probably needs to turn at least one or it would benefit her to turn one and have a sister. Like, I, I don't know, man. But I wish, I wish Emma was better yeah but i mean she's kind of supposed to be just this baby face that is just the picture of innocence yeah she's, she's the dress-up doll she gets to she, be anything she's like a blank slate uh carmilla projects what she wants on her she she has to be protected at all costs by the right. straight men around her because she's such a perfect victim for this lesbian predator yeah she doesn't know what she's doing. Uh, and I I liked, so this is a new thing that wasn't in the original story, the addition of the governess, Madame Peridot. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she's, she's definitely into Carmilla and very quickly starts to understand what's going on between Carmilla and Emma, or at least she, she thinks she knows what's going on. Um, Again, it's all, it's all text and subtext, which is she knows 
that her daughter is being seduced by this woman and she knows that her daughter is oh, not putting up governor. a lot of resistance to it or yeah so but this person that she takes care of is yeah is yeah so she knows that like this is a young i think it's more she doesn't want her to be hurt and used by a beautiful woman who's just going to be on her way she kind of treats carmilla as any male suitor like you just want to get in her pants but yeah well no the governess definitely wants to get in carmilla's pants and she does she and carmilla hook up um but also when carmilla is draining the life out of emma and you know it seems again in carmilla's defense she does take down a couple other women before she really goes into the kill for Emma. So I think that could be another argument for like, Oh, maybe Carmilla really likes her right. because she goes and she kills a couple other women. She needs um, to feed. She needs to feed. And she chooses not to feed on Emma until she basically has to. But when Emma's condition gets pretty bad and the, and the, the Butler Renton is like, we should get the doctor involved. Um, Carmilla does that kind of over the shoulder threatening thing where she's like, you're not going to call the doctor. And the governess is like, no, I'm not. And she basically covers for her. Yeah. And, and we then start when the, Carl we, shows up, the governess covers for her then too. Right. Yes. We start the very obvious escalation of she is a vampire, but again, she's running out of time. They hint at the fact that she kind of needs to hibernate. So she she has to balance between being being hidden and working her her she has to work the people in the house like puppets but also she has to get dangerously close to flat out going into now or never i need to make my move mode uh so it just creates some interesting escalation that because of the melodrama, I'm sure lots of people would find very cheesy, corny, showgirls-y, I'm sure. But I, I, I dug it. I, I was charmed by it. Different places. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it works. And, you know, Carmilla kind of has her way with, with everyone because Renton, the butler, seems like he's really worried and... He goes to the tavern. He's like vampires. And they're like record scratch. Did you say yeah. vampires? And I think it's Renton that ultimately tries to get the the dad to come back from his business trip to deal with things. But then it's yeah. too late for Renton because then Carmilla gets to him too. Uh, and and yeah, he's he's just he's done. Uh, he gets seduced by her, and and I think she bites him. But uh, it's it's not all lost for for Emma's purity. Um, the men manage to meet up with each other. The dad, um, Baron Hartog, shows up, uh, and so does Carl, Laura's ex boy. They call him her ex boyfriend, but like she died, he's still her boyfriend. I mean, she didn't break up with him by dying. Um, and then we learn the rest of Hartog's story, which is that he had his encounter 
with the vampires that killed his sister. He swears revenge. He's going to go back to their lair and get to all of them. And in addition to beheading the beautiful female vampire, he goes to each of the graves and he stakes all of the hibernating vampires. But there was just one grave he wasn't able to find. So we have to go back to the castle ruins. He holds up the flame to the portrait. And that's when um, Mr. Morton is like, oh, it's Carmilla. And (laughs) Carl and General Spiridorf are like, Marcilla. And they realize that she's the same person. That's her. And then like you're saying, Carmilla, she is running out of time. And she decides... She is going to just kidnap Emma and take her with her to hibernate. I don't know. Emma hasn't been completely turned at this point, but she's definitely down with the sickness. Um, And I like that when she tries to leave with Emma. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say she's not kidnapping her. I mean, she is, but she's saving her. She's saving her from a life of drudgery of, of drudgery, right? Like, uh, so again, Car- Carmilla is the tragic hero of this story. Um, I-, I was team Carmilla all the way. I I also am team Carmilla. Like I read, I read the story and I was like, she likes to sleep late and be with other girls. There's nothing wrong with this. Like she's just a normal person with like, a lazy constitution and a desire to skip church. I'm sure I would have been called a vampire too, if I <laughs> lived during those times. Um, But then I like the governess is like, no, take me with yeah. you. She's the Renfield in this scenario. She wants to be turned so, so badly, um, but it's just not uh, going to happen for her. Carmilla kills her. Uh, a seductive walk up the stairs. Maybe she will take him with her, but we, the audience, know, of course not. She only has eyes for Emma. And then the seductive walk up the stairs ends in ah, blah, 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 a bite and blood, and Emma sees it. Oh no! Freaks out. It's such a great moment. I I like that was probably my favorite moment from the final act. Uh, and then she 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 goes through. Um, Carl, though, I guess tries to stop them, and that's when he he starts chanting, Aparte Satana! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Uh, and it, finally, the, the boys are able to track her back to her grave. And it was weird. It was like she was in her grave, but then she'd set up a bed for Emma? Like a nice comfy bed? Yeah, I mean, I could go into the lore or my interpretation of the lore, but I feel like we're getting near the end of the movie. We're hitting that climax. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Yeah, she's got the grave. Emma, I don't think Emma's been fully turned yet, so she, she can't sleep in a coffin. That's against the rules. Don't you know the rules? Yeah, so they, as as they had planned to do from the very beginning when we had uh, Chekhov's beheading, um, now Carmilla is staked and beheaded. The evil has been cleansed from the world, and her portrait does a Dorian Gray, and 
reverts to her actual age, which is skeleton age. And again, I think the horror of this scene comes from the fact that we know she's going to get decapitated. Like, like it just makes sense in the story that that's is what's going to happen. Either the shadow man shows up and just completely wrecks everyone in the building and pulls an alu card from Helsing and is like, look into my eyes and they all go mad and their heads explode or they kill her without any kind of trouble or fanfare, which is how vampires are kind of dispatched in these hammer film type things like they're just as vulnerable they're 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 super vulnerable that's why they need all these mystical powers and bloodlust and so it's just it's scary because i wanted carmilla to live i was i was on her side it was i was rooting for her and i knew she was gonna die so she had to die for heteronormativity to be restored yeah we don't we don't want change it's way it's like um in the lobster when they're like it's too confusing for you to be bisexual. Just yeah. pick one. <laughs> that was funny. Too much paperwork. No, 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 no. Too way way too complicated. Um but any any final thoughts on the vampire love us? No. I mean, I think might as well just get into it. Carmilla hypnotized me. I'm uh, I that's my crush, man. Oh, 100%. Ingrid Pitt uh, as Carmilla is definitely my crush. She looked great. She had an awesome smoky eye that made me contemplate, like, "Hmm, maybe I should be looking up 70s eye makeup tutorials. Uh, Her red dress was fantastic. Um, and, and yeah, Carmilla, you really felt for her and yeah, I'm proud of Ingrid Pitt for being into her body and wanting to show it off. You go. Yeah. I, I liked her in the same way that I liked, uh, what was her name from Carnival of Souls? Like she had a much more refined, smoky, um, I don't know, practiced sexual appeal uh, and like this sort of spooky sexual appeal, this otherworldly appeal. Um, But yeah, she was good. She was dang good in the movie. I know this is meant to be a historical movie, but Ingrid Pitt does look like she's from the future. Like maybe she's an ex machina. (laughs) Like a Barbarella type space future, babe. Yeah, there's like a certain type of hotness that like I'm like, oh yeah, it's like a she's a sexy lady from the future. Yeah. I, I could see there being a time travely type element of her her sexiness. So how was turning this one into a rom com? Um I don't know. I had a blast. This is gonna be a very a very goofy, silly pitch. Uh, I just got a bunch of, of one-note things to throw at you, machine gun style. Hijinks, but, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to really sell you. I love my, my silly rom-coms to be hijinks heavy. Um, so that's that's exactly what I focused on here, was, it was, you know, go for those tried-but-true satisfying beats. And, uh, yeah, lean into that hijinks. Shenanigans. 
I like it. You want to go first? Uh, of course I want to go first. Here we go. I called my, I'm so excited because sometimes I just don't even pick titles, but for both of these movies, vampire movies, I pick titles. This one is called Only Vamps. Only Vamps. Only Vamps. And no so, masks. <laughs> we, we have Instagram model who is at Camilla the Killer and she Camilla the T-H-A Killa K-I-L-L-A and mm-hmm. she is a well-known vampire. So through the ages, we're going to get a highlight reel of her in Renaissance paintings as the model, her as marble statue model, her as silent movie star, big Shakespeare play star. Like, you know, we go through the hits in the opening credits of she is this whole world is an alternate universe um a spider-man spider-verse where carmilla is popular and the thing and so what that means is all of of, she's she's managed to hypnotize a bunch of instagram followers so she's essentially an influence of an influencer so a bunch of her influencees want to be killed by her because of course of course that's it once a vampire sucks your blood and takes your blood and feeds on you it's not just a sensual sexual crazy death one time experience like your soul and essence is being used to fuel this this millennia old person you're part you're like a um, altruistic sacrifice to keep this person alive so you can't kill people on instagram so of course you go to your only fans type only vamps and you kill them on there so people got pay extra you know it's five dollars more to watch her kill people uh and then we have an instagram model called the countess of venus and that is an instagram moniker that is like the dread pirate roberts or dalai lama it is handed down People are auditioned or picked through destiny for the role. And so we can have a bunch of tragic deaths or rom-com poopy deaths, like extreme extreme Looney Tunes hospitalizations, where one of the at Countess of Venus Instagram models is like, like pursued by her stalker and you know something happens there maybe she's running away and gets hit by a truck one of them falls off a balcony one of them is like dies doing this crazy tom cruise-esque i'm like i'm doing this for the followers like and subscribe type stunt and maybe she does it like during the daytime so she just explodes or something but um it's it's it, it, it like it's a publicity stunt that that the Countess of Venus is put into where she is put in this position where she could be the next person that Carmilla the killer kills. So we have one of those, like we're put together and we have to audition each other, but the outcome is grim and bleak, but we start to fall in love. So, so now like there's hijinks there and the hijinks are going to come in the form of tabloids and paparazzi and followers. The followers are going to drive. We're going to have a constant cutting back to talk shows and website blogs and TMZ type shows and just random people in their houses tweeting and messaging and stuff. 
Um, so she's going to have an agent. Uh, the the Countess of Venus is going to have an agent and a stylist who are always trying to tell her what's best. And they don't want her to be killed by Carmilla because they want the name to live on and they want her to be super popular. And then they also have a hunter type character, a sexy female v- hunter type character who is after the handle she wants to kill the countess so she can have the handle of the countess and be super popular oh diabolical i know and so like they try to keep the two our two main characters away from each other but carmilla has to use her sexy vampire hypnotizing powers to constantly like use public type things i I, i'm just gonna go into it here we go we got a talk show right where where um the countess is talking about like oh you know actually i do have a little bit of a crush on the count on um carmilla and then the the talk show host can be like well actually we have carmilla backstage and the agent and stylist will be like oh darn you for appearing as a special guest and it's hijinks so then Carmilla comes out and the audience is like, kiss, kiss, kiss. So they share a little kiss, but it's like blown up by the media, right? So every little thing they do is scrutinized and like, are they actually a couple? Are they going to get together? Will she be the next victim? Uh, we can have a charity talent show where um, the Countess sings like a fun karaoke type song that's kind of sexy, but fun and flirty. But then... Carmilla sings an actual noir type femme fatale seductive Jessica Rabbit song where it's like, ooh, the sexual chemistry is piling. Then we can have a fashion show where they model off. Yeah, they like model off different clothes so we can have like a model off where they're each trying different sexy outfits. But and again, so we have like a hitman, the video game hitman, where he's got to like use all sorts of wacky scenarios to get close to the people he's trying to kill. Carmilla's going to do the same thing. She's going to have to seduce her way into these scenarios using very wacky, if I take out the cook, then I can put a thing in the meal type thing. Yada, yada, yada. The big thing is, are they going to, is Carmilla going to turn? Uh, the countess the end of the movie is a big reveal publicly that no she's not going to turn her but the countess is going to keep her instagram handle so the the vampire is going to stay a vampire the human is going to stay a human the lesson of the movie is you don't need to change for anyone just be yourself you can you can love someone else for who they are especially if they love themselves for who they are and then they announced their retirement from social media. So the Countess handle is gone. Carmilla is no longer in the public eye, which she has been for millennia since the dawn of man. And then we cut to credits on their retirement. But then in the end credits, they come back and we just get little things of like cutesy Instagram posts of like, you know, just like once a year type posts where they're not super in the public eye, but it's just a, like for our fans, here's a cute little picture of us on vacation. See you next year, you know, like a greeting card type thing. And so that's yeah, the end I like of the those movie. Endings. It's like the yeah. end of the happiest season when it's uh, the family doing Instagram posts 
of the couple together now that they're out. Yeah. And so it's it's all cutesy. Again, super hijinks, one-note characters who are very well-defined, lots of cinematic shorthand. You can definitely play with the fact of, like, Van Helsing could be the person who wants to take over the handle. And, all, like, there's so many writer's room jokes for this kind of setup. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's uh, only vamps. <laughs> Only vamps. I like it. I like that you worked in vampire social media. Yeah. And again, this was highly inspired by the fact that I wrote my other remix first. And the horror in the other remix comes from the fact that it's old medieval times, Renaissance times. So for this one, I specifically set out to embrace modern culture instead of the boomer humor of like, oh, people are always on their phones. Why don't people talk anymore, Brett? <laughs> uh, why are we Society using is the real vampire, man. I, I can't see you through that little camera on my computer. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I hear you there. I, I like, you went into the future. I, I kept mine historical because, you know, there's nothing I love more than a good historical romance. Yeah, makes sense. I can't wait to hear it. What's it called? It's called Lady and the Vamp. Ah, I love it. Yeah, I, I just, you know... <laughs> My remixes are here and there, but like I, I get a lot of pleasure out of coming up with a fun title. Um, but yeah, no, I wanted to do a, a Regency historical romance comedy with lesbian vampires because why not? Um, as far as I know, it hasn't been done before. Um, but if it has, please email us at necromancerpodcast at gmail.com because I want to fucking read that shit um, or watch it. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to, you know, like any good Shiva rom-com, let's keep in the murder. Uh, <laughs> Emma Morton, she's a young woman who's just entering society uh, and the marriage market when she learns of the untimely death of her best friend, Laura. And Emma vows to find the killer and avenge her friend. But unfortunately, this is Regency, England, or Styria, or wherever. And she's a woman with virtually no human rights. And mm -hmm. the only thing her family and people expect her to do is to choose a good husband. So she has to go about this investigation secretly while putting up the facade of a good, well-behaved society girl. Meanwhile, a mysterious young woman, Carmilla Karnstein, attends a ball under a false identity where she flirts with and lures a duke into an empty room. But when he goes in for the kiss, she bites and drains him. Uh, and we learn Carmilla is a vampire. Uh, and yes. then a maid enters the room and it seems like, oh no, Carmilla's gonna, she's been caught. The Duke has been saved. But then the maid reveals that she's also a vampire and starts feeding on him as well. And it is Carmilla's faithful accomplice, Mademoiselle Peridot. So these two female vampires, though, in this version, 
Peridot and Laura are not, or sorry, Peridot and Carmilla are not together. They're, they're vampire accomplices. They're like two, two um, friends or whatever. And they manage to escape unseen um, from the party. And then of course, like any movie that's got kind of a fun actiony element, they exposit as they're escaping. Yeah. Uh, and we learn that they are basically part of a whispered network of female vampires dedicated to assassinating high society predators. I love it. So while this is all happening, Emma is continuing her search for the truth about Laura's death. Um, but she's just hampered by all the men in her life. So maybe we can have a bunch of hijinks and gags about her, like, I don't know, looking at, at murder books or and charts and things and then having to hide it and replace it with her sewing. So like when everybody comes in, they expect her to be doing just stereotypical girly things. And she's like, oh, yes, of course, I was just knitting here in the corner. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's she's desperately trying to solve this murder. And the only person who appears to want to help her is Laura's doctor. But the doctor, kind of a Loomis type in this scenario, is like, I think it was a vampire. It was right. definitely a vampire, and here's why. So even though Emma has somebody who's wanting to help her, she's like, oh, like... I want to find the real killer, not this this kooky vampire rumor um, theory. This isn't this isn't real. Um, and so then, at another society gathering, Emma bumps into Carmilla, and what's crazy is they instantly recognize each other. Now, here's something from the book that they didn't add to the movie that I thought would have been fun. But in the original story, Laura has this, you know, dream slash nightmare as a child where she thinks that there's this woman who's under her bed and it's a woman who happens to be Carmilla. So when Laura in the in the story sees Carmilla for the first time, she's like, I recognize you. I saw you in my dream. And Carmilla, the slick little player that she is, is like, Oh, yeah, I had the same dream, <gasps> except it was you under the bed and and you look just as you look now. Like, I, I can't believe you and I had the same dream about each other. We must be spiritually connected. So that's awesome. That's a yeah. good. Yeah. And that, that's, that's from move. that's from the story. So I was like, you know what? Let's bring that back. And then we learn from like Carmilla's perspective that this was one of her missions or something. And maybe she had to like think fast and hide under this kid's bed. Uh, and then like the kid's like, no, there's a scary lady under here. So she she does remember Emma from this incident, um, but has to make up this thing on the spot. And they're clearly attracted to each other, but they're trying to avoid expressing it. And then maybe we can get some comic relief from Perido, where she's making fun of Carmilla for being all googly-eyed over Emma. Like, oh, man, you really like this girl. <laughs> um, and they all think that they're never going to see each other again. Um, but then Carmilla and Perido receive a tip about Emma's father that makes them suspect that he's the one who murdered Laura. So now they have to infiltrate his house, 
which they do with Carmilla doing her whole like, I'm just traveling on my own and I need a place to stay thing. Whereas Peridot's like, I'm a governess. I can teach your daughter German. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they manage to get into the house. And they continue to have more meet cutes between Carmilla and Emma. And maybe Carmilla learns that Emma is also looking for the killer. And there's some conflict about, okay, well, does she bring Emma into the fold? Does she let her know about this world going on behind closed doors? Or or does she keep her out? But things, you know, turn complicated when she learns about the doctor's vampire theory. And mm. Carmilla, of course, knows that this is wrong. But who would want to fake a vampire killing, right? <laughs> so eventually we learn that it was the doctor and Morton who killed Laura. Like maybe Morton injured Laura and then the doctor agreed to to help him make it look like a vampire killing. Then then they could spread this rumor about vampires and make people believe that it was actually them. Uh, and Carmilla realizes this, but not before Emma also learns that Carmilla and Perido are vampires and thinks, oh my God, the doctor is right. So you've got the tension of Emma running away from the one person who's really going to save her because she's scared and Carmilla learning at the same time that Emma's going to be in danger uh, and Emma realizing that she's made a fatal mistake when she starts reading through the doctor's notes. Like maybe she has that usual suspects coffee cup moment when she starts reading through the notes, realizing she had it all wrong uh, and Of course, Carmilla, beautiful alpha heroine that she is, shows up just in time to save Emma uh, from the bad guys and they kill him. And then they have really no choice to go on the run. And Emma, who never wanted to get married anyways, gets to join the female vampire assassin league and they live happily ever after. Yeah, they live happily ever after after a few more entries into this franchise. Oh yeah, there <laughs> there's definitely going to be uh Lady in the Vamp to the Edge of Reason, you know, whatever. Right. I, I I would be totally down to turn it into a franchise. Yeah, I can definitely see the um the the rom commy appeal as as like the mystery unfolds and there's sort of this sense of danger, but also this, this sense of like, you know, the parts are, are stumbling forward. I would want it to have kind of like an action comedy romance vibe, like the mummy or something right. where like, there's still some, you know, spoofs and goofs and scares, but also fun moments and warm moments. Right. Yeah. But yeah, the the romance is very warm and charms you over and yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like that. Very nice. Nice. Well, before we get into them love bites, just want to remind you all to like and follow us or subscribe, review wherever you listen to podcasts. 
as well as on social media at Necromancer Pod. Now, getting into them love bites. Do you, what would you like to recommend this week, Brett? Uh, well, I mentioned Hammer films are sort of Giallo adjacent. Giallo mm-hmm. being Italian horror. You know what else is Italian uh, horror adjacent? Spaghetti westerns. Um, I watched The Harder They Fall on Netflix, which has a pretty stacked cast. It's got Idris Elba and Lakeith Stanfield and uh, the uh, Regina Hall. Oh, this Regina. is the Black Cowboy movie. It's that the looks Black really Cowboy movie. It, it was. Really it was good. pretty good. Did you know that there were a lot more Black Cowboys in real life than are presented in history? I did know that because the guy that I work with talks to me about cowboy history and in in Texas Marshall outlaw history a lot. So I did. Oh yeah. But this movie was pretty good. It's got like it's got a very serious Django kind of tone to it where like everything feels heavy. Like the stakes and in, in, in action scenes in Django feel heavy. But also it's got it like the people who made this movie clearly love the Western genre and know it well. They they pull from all kinds of Westerns. Westerns is a pretty big umbrella genre. And so I thought overall it was pretty good. I recommend it. It is a little bit long, but I honestly probably could have used just a little bit more length. Sometimes I'm willing to give movies a little bit more if if they kind of I think this movie needed just a little bit more oomph because it's got plenty of breathing room, but the impact, the oomph, I think just a tiny bit more, but overall, I mean, the, the cast in this movie, like I said, is stacked. The characters are a lot of fun. Uh, The scenarios that they get into are pretty cool. It's a, it is a solid Western. Yeah, I've been wanting to see that one and and your your review of it makes me want to see it more. Uh that's good to know. I'm glad that they they seem to have a good love of the genre. Yeah, it's always nice when people lean into genre. Yeah, no, you're not going to hear any complaints from either of us on that count. <laughs> Speaking of genre, you usually recommend stuff related to the genre that we review if you're asking do i have a vampire recommendation a hundred percent of course i do uh but what's funny is i actually changed my recommendation in when you were doing your remix because you made me remember a different vampire book that i really loved Uh, when you started talking about vampires and social media. So originally, I had planned to recommend the Sookie Stackhouse series, the books on which True Blood is based. And, you know, True Blood, uh, it's kind of difficult to recommend the show because it really jumps the shark after a certain point. I would say that the first couple of seasons of True Blood were really fun, um, but the books, the Sookie ha- Stackhouse books were really good. Uh, and I remember reading them before the show came out and really loving them. And they're just, you know, sexy, funny vampire romances. Uh, but when you started talking about social media, it made me remember another book 
The Coldest Girl in Cold Town by Holly Black. I would say that if you want something funny and and light and charming and and just easy to to mow through, Sookie Stackhouse is going to be great. But if you want kind of a more gothy, gritty vampire romance with the little violence thrown in, you know what I like. <laughs> uh, the Coldest Girl in Cold Town is a really cool book. I like Holly Black a lot. She's written a lot of fantasy novels featuring fairies. This is the only vampire book she did. But the premise is that vampires become public, similar to True Blood, and they have designated areas called cold towns that are basically like the like the demilitarized zone for vampires it's where they're allowed to be uh and vampirism in itself is kind of almost depicted like uh like drug addiction um where people get bitten or they get a taste uh and the craving to for blood is just insatiable uh and the vampires are really scary and mean and violent they're not sparkly and pretty and nice so i think that if that's more your vibe when it comes to vampires check out the coldest girl in cold town it's a cool book and i highly recommend it very nice well since you suggested two and you thought of one mid podcast uh a girl walks alone at night Ooh, that's a good one. I'll just I've heard good things. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I saw the movie. I really liked it. Go see it. It's a very interesting movie. And it's vampires. (laughs) So how would Big Daddy Carmilla sign us off? Um, I, I, I. How? How would Big Daddy Carl sign us off? Ask me that one. How would Big Daddy Carl sign us off? Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities.